Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Idle Chatter. I want to thank you so much for tuning in, clicking in, or whatever you do to listen to this guy from New Jersey, the hot rod farmer from Cat Swamp Road. That is, it is an honor, and I mean that sincerely, to know that you're listening uh, to what I have to say in my ramblings. So hopefully, God willing, that things are going well for you in your life and your farm operation or whatever you happen to do and uh, that the good lord is blessing you and if things aren't going that well today then tomorrow will be a better day right because that's our hope our hope is in the lord so that uh, you know we we can't appreciate the great the good times until we go through the the rough times sadly i wish it was the other way around but it is not but i want to uh i i gotta give some pins out in my map because last week i didn't do that so we got behind so first of all i want to give a pin to mr bob smith and yes smith i can't yeah my own uh, terrible i should have been a doctor my mother says because my handwriting is so terrible (laughs) my mother's been gone for 26 years if she'd see my handwriting now she'd think before it was wonderful but uh but anyway uh mr bob smith and he came over to the podcast from uh, Hemmings Muscle Machines, and he lives in Fair Play, South Carolina, and uh, that's, I believe, not too far off Interstate 85, going down that way. When I go to Georgia, I go through there, and interestingly enough that there was a, uh, a company called Applied Technologies and Research that was one of the first companies that were making parts for Grand Nationals, and I forgot what the gentleman's name was. I think he passed away, and they were out in California, and I had visited their facility in California because they had contacted me when I had my shop, Precise Automotive, to be a uh, a dealer for them. But that's a story unto itself. And I think he eventually uh, moved to Fair Play. But so I want to thank Mr. Smith for coming over. And he's listening. To, he was listening. He found the podcast. And he was listening to it on vacation down at the beach. He was going five hour ride. So with his family, so hopefully they didn't get uh, overloaded on idle chatter. But I want to thank you so much. And also, he sent me a uh, a link. He has a number of beautiful Buicks. He has a uh, T-Type Limited, which I also had a T-Type Limited, but mine was black. He has a couple of older Buicks. He's a Buick man, and he had a GNX number zero eighty four. And I forgot how many GNXs they made, but they didn't make that many and he had number 84 and the car has a storied history and if you just do an internet search and uh buick gnx number 084 or just number 84 he did a little video with his son and son-in-law about the car and the car has a storied history and he did an excellent job with the video it was actually uh some smuggler's car and it got uh got uh, the it got the i don't want to say repossessed taken over by the government and the, the dea had it so it's very very interesting and the car is dropped that gorgeous so thank you mr smith for becoming a hot rod farmer and he uh bought a new farm tractor massey ferguson and he's doing a little uh he's not in the farming business per se but he is uh, starting to do a little bit of uh of, of farming large-scale gardening on the verge of farming and then another shout out, another, I got another pin, so I have to give a shout out to, to Pat from DeWitt, Iowa. And I want to thank you so much, Pat from DeWitt, Iowa. And I found DeWitt, Iowa on the map, and it is north of where I go, because I go by Keokuk, and he's further up north in Iowa. And then Mr. Ben Cheney, I'm going to pronounce it Cheney, and he's from, from Hebbardsville, Kentucky. 
And I found when I put the pin in my map, I realized that Hebbardsville is west and south of Louisville. So maybe even saw Mr. Cheney when I was at the uh, National Farm Machinery Show this past February, which is a great show in Louisville. And uh, he wants to, and everybody that gives me a pin is going to get into the contest to win a Hot Rod Farmer license plate. And he's interested in winning that license plate, Mr. Cheney, and said he works off the farm to, to help support his farming habits. So lots of times he listens to the Idle Chatter podcast on his way to work. So that is wonderful. And I want to thank you so much for, for a pin in Hebbardsville, Kentucky. And then we also have Mr. Thomas Adams, and he's from Elliottsburg, Pennsylvania, and that is north and west of Harrisburg. So I want to thank Mr. Smith. I want to thank Pat from DeWitt, Iowa, Patrick, and I want to thank Ben Cheney from Hender, Hebbardsville, I would say Hendersville, Hebbardsville, Kentucky. And I want to thank Mr. Thomas, thank Mr. Thomas Adams for pins in my map. And now we have to announce our winners, right? So our two winners this week of Hot Rod Farmer License Plates, and everybody who gives me a pin is entered into that contest. So all you have to do is reach out to me at Hot Rod Farmer at FarmMachineryDigest.com. Or the best thing is to go to my website, uh, Farm Machinery Digest, and fill out the form. And that gets you in, and I have all your information. So our winners this week are Mr. John Pulver from P-U-L-V-E-R, from J-O-N-P-U-L-V-E-R, John Pulver from Scranton, Pennsylvania. And Sally, and I'm going to pronounce it Jeff, but some people pronounce it Joff, G-O-F-F, McMullen from Atwood, Ontario. And they had reached out to me a while back and gave me a pin in my map. And if I remember correctly, and forgive me if I'm wrong, but uh, Sally and Jeff, I believe that they were dairy farmers up there. And I think he had an older Dodge pickup truck that would throttle body injection that his grandpa had. If I'm cor- and if I'm and if I'm incorrect, Mr. McMullen, please forgive me. So John Pulver and Sally and I'll pronounce it Jeff or Joff uh, McMullen from Atwood, Ontario. Please email me with your mailing address, and I will get that hot rod farmer license plate out to you ASAP. And then also I want to tell you is that last week the podcast on the road to Dr. Larry Butler um, dropped. So if you get a chance, listen to that. I think you'll find a very interesting story with Dr. Butler, with Larry, great guy. It's about he's a, he's not a car guy per se, but uh, he has a 68 Buick with a Pontiac engine in it. But anyway, uh, convertible. So Buick Skylark convertible, but uh, with a 400 Pontiac in it. But he has a whole life and history dedicated to soil conservation. And it's a fascinating story. Um, grew up, um, he grew, grew up in Texas and then into Oklahoma or Texas. And he had lost, uh, uh, well, not, well, let me put it back, let me back up, is that his family had lost uh, people to tornadoes during the during the dust bowl and everything so that really was the catalyst for him to study soil conservation and he had a tv show out on the land so if you get a chance check out that podcast i think it's um, a fascinating story specifically if you're involved with agriculture and it just shows passion and he's so passionate about the land and about the soil and god's creation and then this week just posted the other day is another podcast on the road and that's on the road to don and donna sherman and like sherman tank and they are first generation farmers later in life 
and they have a aquaponics operation. So they, uh, so that's where you use fish and grow vegetables together. And the fish is actually the uh, the the discharge from the fish, the manure from the fish is used for fertilizer for the aquaponics. So it's very, very interesting. So it's called aquaponics. So it's not hydroponics because they're using the fish to help fertilize the plant. So you could check that out if you have the opportunity. All right. And then in a couple other things here, housekeeping. All right. Uh, that I need to uh, uh, give a special shout out to Evan and Katie Scherzer from Pennsylvania. And Evan, I want to thank you so much for the for the pictures from your wedding. Your bride looked beautiful. You looked handsome. You make a wonderful couple. And I want to thank you so much for your your uh, well wishes for Donald's return and uh, for our crops and specifically for Donald's return. I want to thank you for your prayers. And just please know that my wife and I are praying for the bless- for the Lord's blessings on your new marriage and your farm and all your operations that you have going on there. They're quite an industrious young couple. They have a tire business. They're farming. Evan's helping his father-in-law with the farm. They're raising some broilers. I believe so. Quite quite a busy young man and young lady, and uh, make a beautiful couple. And I thank you so much for sharing your wedding pictures with me. And I also have to give a shout out to Mr. Arts up in British Columbia. Thank you for the update on the weather out there, and also on what's going on with your farm operation. And uh, so, just uh, love hearing from everybody. Love hearing what's going on around the country, and I really, really enjoy. Uh, and I feel blessed by everyone who does that. So I want to thank you so much. And um, just please never hesitate to uh, to share that aspect, those aspects of what's going on with me. I Actually, they make my day. And then I wanted to give you another update on the generator. All right. Uh, the generator saga continues. But I gave you some bad information in last week's podcast because I said that the second leg, or the right leg I'm calling it, of the 240 outlet was um, open. It was not open, is that I messed up. I had the meter, the ohm meter on the 200 ohm scale, so it was out of range, and that's why it read infinity. It's not an auto-zeroing meter. And I, it's actually 284 ohms on that leg instead of two-tenths of an ohm. So uh, there's definitely a problem. And then I went from the hot leg on the 120 to ground, and I have continuity from the hot, both all four hot legs on the one uh, from the 120 receptacles to ground. So it appears that that stator has a breakdown of the insulation and it is uh, unintentionally grounded. So that looks like that is the problem. So I don't know whether... I'm going to be able to fix it or not. Um, so if I have to get this state, I found a couple of staters and uh, the one is from Briggs and Stratton is $856. I paid $999 for the generator. And then there was another one that I found, which is some sort of aftermarket and that's $500. Another one was $400. I'm just very leery of the aftermarket staters and aftermarket products because that's supposed to be a generator that puts out 8,000 watts and then surge to 10,000 and has a total harmonic distortion of less than 5%, 5% or less. And I think that if you, whereas a normal generator puts out between 20 and 20, up to 25% total harmonic distortion. 
and I really that's why I bought this one because of the Briggs engine and the low THD. So I'm I'm leery of a replacement stator uh, that it's not that it's not going to be the proper wattage, the proper output, and that it's going to not have the low THD. So I'm 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 drifting towards getting a new generator. Sadly, after 36 hours and. I will probably get a Generac X, I think it's called an XT8000 EFI. I don't like the idea that it's fuel injected. I mean, I've done that, I spoke about that on the show, overly complicated for nothing. I love my carburetors, but this generator supposedly has less than 5% THD and the other generacs with the carburetors don't and the only other one i saw that claims to have less than five percent thd is a westinghouse but it's thirteen thousand watts i don't need anything that big and you say well who cares well the thing is that i care because it's going to use a lot more fuel i'm not worried about the price of the fuel i'm worried about having enough fuel during an extended power outage plus i found out that westing that aspect of westinghouse was sold to the chinese so crazy i mean it's a crazy world and uh, so generac is still an american company i spoke to the generac people supposedly <laughs> this generac the x xt8000 efi the engine is built in the united states the unit is built in the united states but i probably think that the power head is made in china so who knows but that is the one i'm leaning towards but that will not be until after harvest season and the other thing i wanted to just tell you is that to share with you was um that my poor little one of my hens took sick again well took sick the other day digger so I think I'm going to end up losing her. I lost I lost Bella, and it just it's been a rough rough time here with animals this 2022. So uh, so I uh, pray that the, the Lord has mercy upon her, and that if He's going to take her home, that she doesn't suffer. Charlotte and I are doing everything we can to take care of her and try to make her comfortable, but it's in the Lord's hands. So uh, if you don't share a heart for animals, you won't, and I'm not saying that disrespectfully, you won't understand that. And if you do share a heart for animals, there's no need for me to explain to you. All right, when, when the, and animals, as I say, are my kryptonite. They're my kryptonite, any type of animal from a, any type of God's creation is my kryptonite. So, and it breaks your heart because you try to do everything you can to help them and you don't know what to do and you pray for wisdom and the Lord gives you wisdom to the level that he wants you to have it in this particular situation. And I also, he uses it as a humbling experience, basically saying that you can't control everything and ultimately everything is in his is his control and is his sovereign control and we just have to uh, accept that so that is that and then another thing i want i know i'm going long before i get into the topic and i'm sorry but uh i just wanted to catch up with all of you with all of, with these things with the pins in the map and with the uh and with uh <clears throat> evan and katie's wedding and and john arts out in british columbia but a, a few weeks back i did a show and and it was a letter from someone that was in prison and i didn't give his name or anything because really it was mood anyway i wanted to be respectful to him and i wanted to write him a letter back and i did write him i did write him a letter back and what had happened was that you know i mean somebody writes you a letter from prison and what i do get i don't get a million letters from prisoners but i do get letters from prisoners and you know they say well i didn't do anything to hurt anybody i didn't do anything i mean people could write whatever they want 
I mean, so, you know, in today's world, you got to, well, you got to be careful, right? I mean, so you don't want to ex expose yourself. And, you know, it's only my wife and I, I don't want to expose my wife to something. But you also don't, you also don't want to be judgmental and you want to give the person the benefit of the doubt. So anyway, I wanted to write him a letter. And uh, he was in, ironically, he was in New Jersey in Trenton State Prison, and his name is Jeff. I won't uh, tell you his last name, for, because I say only for no particular reason, makes no difference, right? He's not going to hear the podcast, because I found out that they can't hear that in prison. So anyway, I was going to write, I wanted to write him a letter back, and I wrote him a letter back, and I, and I wrote some personal things in the letter as far as his situation is concerned and how I will pray for him. And I was not going to put my business card in there, and I was not going to put my, my return address on the envelope because he sent it to Hemmings. He had no idea where I was, so where I lived. And, uh, and then I, the, the Holy Ghost spoke to my heart, and I said, trust him. The Lord told me to trust him. And, it's, uh, and if you ever had those situations where you hear that still small voice and you, you don't hear a voice, you just have, you, you hear it, but you don't hear it. And like I said, it's one of those things like with the animals, if you've never experienced it, then you, if you never experienced, I pray that you do experience that one day in some way, shape or form. And uh, so I, at the last minute, I decided to put my my return address mailing label on the envelope, put my business card in there, and put it in a mailbox here in a rural mailbox, and give it to God. And I didn't know when I also put his letter in the envelope because back in the envelope because I don't want the prison authorities to think I don't know I mean I don't know what to think. All right, so they could see that he contacted me and I contacted him back. Well, lo and behold. He must have gotten the letter, I mean, which is amazing, because he must have gotten the letter. I mailed it on a Saturday. He must have got it by Tuesday, right? And then what had happened was the next day, his mother calls me, and I happened to be going out to work in the cornfield, and I was in the kitchen, and the phone rang, and I, and I picked it up, and it was ended up being his mother. And so he had gotten the letter, and he's able to talk to his mother two times a day on the telephone from the prison, which is wonderful. But... And then, so his mother told me about his life, told me about him, and it's a sad, sad story. Uh, he's, uh, and my, his mother and I, I'm not ashamed to tell you, we cried on the phone together. I, this woman, she's 82 years old. His, he has been in prison for, then he subsequently wrote me a letter, and a couple of days later I got it, and he was, has been in prison for 20 years, and at the time of him writing the letter, for 20 years and 42 days. And... Uh, it was a sad story because he never even had gotten a parking ticket before that. And his mother told me that, I mean, and, and I gleaned that she was a straight shooter. She wasn't candy coating her son. And she said that, uh, that he was never in any trouble, that, that he loved animals. He would come home, every time he'd come home, we'd pick up a stray animal and bring it home. And he was married. He said he had a low self-esteem even though he was quite handsome but he didn't feel that and he ended up marrying a very pretty girl that was younger than he is and uh she got hooked on opiates i don't know how that happened and they ended up they ended up robbing drugstores uh to get opiates for her so so he actually performed the robbery and she and she drove the getaway car they did this a couple of times they robbed pharmacies no one ever got hurt she said what he told you was 100 percent true he said he never even had a parking ticket prior to that he's a car guy he has a, had a has a had a mustang had a grand national 
he has a, he, uh, so it's a very, very, very sad story. And we both cried on the telephone because uh, we saw God's hand in having this letter get to him and his mother being able to speak to me. So I sent, I told him I would send him a hot rod farmer license plate, but I found out I could not send it to the prison. So I sent it and so I told him I would keep one for him because at that particular point, I did not know he was going to be, she doesn't know how long they're trying to get him out of jail. She doesn't remember whether his sentence was 25 years or 30 years, but they're trying to get him out of jail. And in the letter he wrote to me, he says he lives in fear each day. He says it's amazing his heart did not give out. He says it's like going to school and being bullied all day long. So I, so I told him and I told his mother I would pray for the Lord's hand of providence over him to protect him there while he's still there and to give him peace in his heart. But the terrible story, terrible story with what, what, what had happened. How, uh, and his wife got seven years in prison as an accomplice, but since he actually did the robberies, that he got a, quite a long sentence. So, uh, I mean, this drug situation is terrible and how it ruined the whole family's whole family's life but she said that they had six stray dogs and six stray cats or seven stray cats that they picked up and they had to give the animals up just a terrible story so i want to thank you so much for allowing me to share that that with you and uh, god willing and his name is jeff and if you would keep him in his prayers for god's providence over him i would certainly appreciate that and the world today needs so much prayer in so many ways is that type but i believe that the lord will honor those prayers even if they're only said one time because it just seems to be overwhelmed with all of that Alrighty, so now on to what the topic of today's show is a half hour into it or 21 minutes into it is that you know, for many for many years, I taught fuel injection, and you and uh, I've told you this before, is that there was a company called Axel Digital Fuel Injection, and when I had my shop, I was, uh, I mean, prior to that, when I worked for Allen Test Products, I I taught fuel injection and feedback carburetors and engine management systems and oscilloscopes and emissions analyzers, and what have you, and then I uh, became an Axel and my shop early on axel digital fuel injection dealer they had a program called emic which stood for engine management installation center and they were actually the first one digital fuel injection was the first one to bring out a on-the-fly programmable uh ec uh, ecm engine management system whereas even an oecm you could not program it on the fly so if you had a a Mustang or what any type of any type of fuel injected ECM is that it had a prom in it and you had to actually have you could access the prom but it had to be done offline I'm not going to overly complicate offline I make changes and reburn the prom and put the prom in and see how it is so so Axel digital fuel inje- well actually it was digital fuel injection it was John and Joe Meany Meany but it, uh, there was a a really good electrical engineer and they hooked up with him and I guess electrical software, I guess he was more of an electrical engineer, maybe so Perry Paelli, real nice guy, uh, great engineer as far as electronics and, and code and doing all that. And so he actually, Perry, the, the patent was actually in Perry Paelli's name for programmable uh, East, uh, on the fly programmable fuel injection system so with the with the dfi system you could actually have a laptop plugged in there and while the engine was running you could go change the timing the fuel delivery the idle speed what have you so so it was really a, a big breakthrough so so they ended up having a uh, uh when they got involved with axel 
which was at that particular point wasn't Eklund. Maybe it was part of Eklund Corporation. I don't remember anymore. They like Chrysler. They got <laughs> sold so many times. It's like who owns them today? But they're out of business now anyway. So uh, I became an Emic Center, which is engine management installation. And to tell you the truth, I don't remember how I transitioned from becoming an Emic, which was just one of their dealers, to becoming their training instructor and uh, in writing their training manuals. So I don't know how that happened, to be quite honest with you. That was but a grace of God. So I, I ran it. Well, I say ran. I, I, I ran their training program. I think for fourteen or fifteen years. So uh, as a, just as a subcontractor, I still did my own thing. I had you know my writing career and what have you. After I get out of my got out of my shop, but when I used to teach these classes, so the classes I would teach for them were for this programmable ECU, and they were only to people who were going to become dealers or already dealers. So it wasn't open to the public per se. So it'd be akin to like going to a John Deere school for, for, for training or for General Motors or Ford. It wasn't, we just walked in off the street and said, I want to take an Axel digital fuel injection training class. And, uh, it was, quite, it was a two-day program, and it was quite intense. I enjoyed teaching it. I used to teach two of them a month for many, many years, and uh, it was a wonderful experience, met a lot of great people, and uh, it was also a blessing to me financially. We'll just leave it at that. And uh, it was just it was wonderful. It was a blessing all around. But, uh, but what I used to do is I used to, tell, I used to tell some stories in the class, and I used to want to explain to people or the students when these are all adults they have businesses so it wasn't like you were teaching 17 year old kids and i wanted them to think like the ecu and i want them to and i want them to think like the way the ecu is controlling the fuel injector so that's what i'm going to have you do today and you know many years ago my buddy gene worst who will be doing an on the road podcast with him very very shortly hopefully the next week or two but um, <clears throat> he was my partner in crime for many, many years and traveling around and doing things. And uh, we went out to, we were young guys. It was in the early 80s. We were young guys. And that I had a 71 Dodge Dart Swinger and that I bought from a neighbor. But anyway, and we went out to the Spring Nationals, NHRA Spring Nationals in Columbus, Ohio, actually at Zanesville, Ohio, National Trail Raceway. And it got rained out. Well, it really didn't get rained out. It got partially rained out. But I usually enjoy that the most because you spend more time in the pits. I remember we really were talking to Bob Glidden, who, who, who was a great guy, was a great guy. And I caught when he's still alive. And uh, and uh, uh, what's his name? I forgot. Uh, the pro, other pro stock guy. But anyway, whatever, uh, from Georgia. But uh, what the heck was his name? Who knows? But anyway, and then we ended up going to this workshop, this seminar they had. They just, and back then they didn't have any... Uh, powerpoint or anything there was like in a tent it was raining outside it was from alston chassis and it was about setting up a drag race chassis and i think chris alston if that was his name the president of the company was giving the seminar and they had you know it's slides back then right i mean it was better at a slide projector you know every time i go to a powerpoint presentation half the time it doesn't work but the slide projector always worked so and you know and we were young guys what the heck did we know right we just thought this was cool but i always liked to learn and 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 what chris alston was basically saying i think that was his name he was in alston and they still make drag race chassis alston a-l-s-t-o-n 
is that he was talking about tire shock and he was talking about about how you need to how you need to shock the tire and how the suspension is supposed to work but what he basically and i've used many and for many years i stole his term and he said that the that the whole chassis along with the tire has to be in harmony and it needs to be in harmony for it to be able to to hook and to um, move the car from a standing start to a moment of inertia at a drag race. So, uh, it, but the idea of it being in harmony. If you look at things in life, that almost everything needs to be in harmony. And one of the things about being in harmony, if you look at if you're a farmer and you look at base saturation on a soil test, that's giving you a percentage of the nutrients, and it all has to add up to 100%. So it all has to be in harmony. And in agriculture you basically could have um, nutrient tie-ups. You could, let's say, have a lot of potassium in the soil or enough for the plant, but if there's too much, and I'm not an agronomist, so I probably have this wrong. So let's say if you have too much boron, that it ties up the potassium and doesn't allow it to get to get into the plant. So it's, it's available, but it's not getting into the plant. And the same thing happens with engines and with, mecha- with mechanical things, is that, for instance, you could have a lot of carbon deposits on the back of an intake valve, and even though the injector is spraying the, spe- the proper amount of fuel and doing a good job of atomizing the fuel, that the carbon deposits wick in to, or the fuel wicks into the carbon deposits, and then at low speeds, the mixture is too lean, and then at high speeds, why I say high speeds, because it's high velocity through the intake port, it starts to evaporate off the, the wet carbon on the intake valve and the mixture goes too rich so it's too lean then it's too rich so the thing is that so that's a lot like nutrient tie-up because it's fuel tie-up right fuel is getting tied up in the carbon in the valve so anyway the thing is that i always felt that it's very very important that if you're studying any subject or if you have an interest in any subject to understand foundationally what's going on it may not help you to fix it, but like, like as Mr. Alston said, it's going to bring you in harmony with it. And when you are in harmony with something, then it then it's going to help you fix it because you understand what it's doing. As you know, Mr. Richard Hip, Dick Hip from General Motors Training Center, I spoke about him many times, and you know. Back then it was great. I mean, we were young. We were, I, the class was eclectic. There was all different age people, and I was probably one of the youngest. But it was all guys. I mean, nothing was politically correct. And Dick Hip used to say, you know, when we used to start a subject, say like I remember it was throttle body injection. He goes, "This doesn't work on FM," and everybody's going FM, FM, and then he would say the word, the expletive magic. It doesn't. So you you fill out the word F word in there right it doesn't work on fm so so i'm going to explain to you how it works so it's that harmony and if you understand what's happening then it's then a lot of things make sense and it's a data point and that's what today's show is going to be about so i'm going to explain to you what's happening with the dynamics of the fuel injector control circuit on an engine and that makes a difference whether it's your pickup truck whether it's um uh, the generator I hope to buy that's fuel injected or whether it's an irrigation pump that's fuel injected but we're going to be talking about fuel injected engines and what is happening with the how the injectors I'm not talking about the magnetic field but the logic of what is going on with the injector and so this way so what I'm going to ask you to do 
is maybe listen to this show. All right, I'm 31 minutes in now. So I'm going to ask you maybe to listen to it twice. You don't have to listen to the stuff in the beginning. So at 30, so you could fast forward it again, and not, the night, not back to back, but maybe a week from now, two weeks from now, or when you're on a, driving your vehicle, all right, and it's fuel injected and gasoline fuel injected, then you could pick this show up at the 30 minute mark and you could listen to it. And it'll be very interesting for you to be able to identify all right what is happening what the injector the dynamics of what the fuel injector is doing while you're driving all right because that's what this is all about so without any further ado i will start to talk about it so now you have to realize that the i'm not going to back up too far that the injector is pulsed through the ecu all right and it's what's called a driver circuit a driver is an electronic switch or electronic relay that has no moving parts and it turns the injector on and off and the injector has always has 12 volts to it and the driver in the ecu pulses the ground circuit and that is standard operating procedure so no matter what you're going to look at it's going to be pulsing the ground and the reason why they pulse the ground circuit is because it's what is called quieter electronically there's less noise there's less there's less static on the on in the electrical circuit by pulsing the ground instead of pulsing the the what we would call battery or positive voltage so and when the injector when the ground is on the injector is spraying fuel and when the ground is off the injector is spring loaded internally and it shuts off and the magnetic field is no longer there and it shuts off and it uh it collapses and it doesn't spray any fuel hopefully right doesn't drip so we're not going to talk about that but what i always what i like to do is when i when i would teach this in the fuel injection class rack self i would i was I it was a movie I saw one time in a hotel and I don't know what it was I don't I caught, I don't really watch TV but I've been turning on and what it, and it was some kind of kidnapping movie I don't remember what it was but anyway the important part here is that the guy grabs the girl all right the, the, the hero grabs the girl and he runs out and the bad guys are chasing him and they jump in this is a 20 year old movie this was 20 years ago they jump into this crown victoria which was fairly which I guess was fairly new at the time right they jump into this crown victoria and he starts the car and as soon as the as and as soon as the the starter recoils and withdraws he puts it into gear and he whacks it to the floor right and it breaks the tires loose the tires are smoking and he takes off with the girl obviously she's a beautiful girl you never have a you never rescuing a a a a, a plain looking girl she's always dropped dead gorgeous in the movies right and then the bad guys are chasing him so what i'd say okay fine that's the element now let's explain what happened fuel injection wise during that scene in the movie so and so you could think about it. i'm not saying you have to go rescue a girl and and as soon as the engine starts to whack it to the floor but i'm going to use this as a foundation so what basically happens is that when you turn the key on for an injected engine what you're going to wake up the ecu and the ecu has two voltage supplies going to it it has a what's called a keep alive memory which is constant 12 volts and has a switched ignition source so when you turn on the key the ignition key you're going to turn on the switched ignition source the other what they call the keep alive memory is constantly powered up that's off the battery because it keeps the memory the trouble codes and everything alive so when you turn the ecu on what's going to happen turn the key on the ecu is going to wake up and then it's going to turn 
the fuel pump on for two seconds to wait for a tax signal so if you go from crank to run right away you and it's that is to prime the fuel rail so you hear bzz, click all right so the proper way to start a fuel injected engine anything whether it's an atv or it's going to be my new generator if i end up getting it is that you need to prime that fuel system and that's going to be the best starting so you hear bzz, click you may not hear the bzz, depending upon where the fuel pump is but you usually hear the fuel pump relay shut off what happens is that if it doesn't get a tax signal within and this is normal protocol if it doesn't get a tax signal within two seconds it shuts the fuel pump off so if you go right from putting the key in and go right to crank all right it's going to evoke the fuel pump but it did not purge or did not charge the fuel rail yet and depending upon how soon the car the engine was shut off doesn't have to be a car there may be residual fuel there or the pressure may have bled down all right so what happens is this guy gets in his crown victoria goes right from from puts the key in goes right from crank goes right to crank all right initially right goes looking in the rear view mirror the bad guys are coming so what it had to happen is the fuel pump had to prime there may have been residual fuel there and then what then the engine is going into crank so the the cranking motor we call it a starter but the cranking motor is cranking the engine what has to happen in normal protocol and you could see some variations on this is that anything then below around 400 rpm is considered cranking so so now the engine cranks what's going to happen is that the depending depending upon the fuel injection the way it's going to pulse the injectors there could be what they call a batch fire system or there could be a sequential system a sequential system is going to pulse the injectors or open the injectors with the valve events it's going to be sequence where a batch fire system is going to spray fuel regardless of where the valve is whether it's open or closed but it sprays half a shot so there'll be two shots it'll always be fuel waiting at the valve and then the second time it's going to be the other shot and the valve will open so that's what they call a batch fire or a gang fire system now but regardless if it's a sequential injection and everything now is sequential because it's cleaner emission wise because you don't have those hydrocarbons hanging there but regardless if it's sequential means it's in time with the valve events all right so if it's in time with the valve events it needs a cam sensor to know which is number one so it could start to count all right but the crank sensor is what's going to trigger it's going to give it an rpm signal when that rpm signal is i'll say below 450 rpm it's considered cranking and maybe some maybe 375 but usually the 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 v8 stuff was around 450 all right and the thing is that that's considered cranking so regardless whether it's sequential or batch fire when the engine cranks it's always going to be batch fire so all of the injectors are going to be pulsing because the cranking speed is slow and the velocity through the port is slow and they just want it to start in any cylinder that gets enough fuel to start and has spark so what will happen is that so let's get back to that crown victoria so that was a that was a sequential system so the guy gets in the car he turns the key and he goes to crank right he cranks right away so now it's cranking on batch fire as soon as the engine starts and the rpm goes above it i'll say 450 so hits remember it's digital circuitry so 450 is batch 451 rpm is sequential so now we went from batch fire 
cranking fuel and cranking fuel there is a table inside the ECU that looks at the coolant temperature and looks at the um the intake air temperature and the barometric pressure right and it looks at it and it goes and determines how long to leave that injector open when it's cranking so at 20 degrees fahrenheit below zero the cranking fuel signal is going to be richer the injector is going to be open longer than it would be at 90 degrees on a hot re or 150 degrees 180 degrees on a hot restart but the important thing is regardless, even if it's 200 degrees to call because you shut the engine right off, when it goes into crank, it's always going to go batch fire. And then if it's a sequential system, it's going to go. Then once it gets that threshold, it's going to go instead of tick, 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 all at the same time, it's going to be phased. All right. So when he got in that Crown Victoria, he went, put the key in, turned it, the fuel pump prime. But the thing is that it, it went into crank right away. And it so went from cranking fuel and now had to transition from cranking fuel to running fuel to sequential in this particular application. An older engine may have been just batch, but but it's going to so it's going to transition from sequential and from cranking fuel to sequential injection. All right, so now he takes the takes the uh, takes the the car right. The engine fires, right? He puts it, throws it into drive. All right, so now we went from cranking fuel <clears throat> to, to sequential running fuel. Now he threw it into drive. So what's going to happen is when you throw it into drive, the load on the engine is going to be different than it is in park because now you loaded this it was an automatic so you throw it you're putting the load of the torque converter on it all right so he throws it into drive so now there's a table in the ecu that's going to compensate for that he so he throws it into drive and immediately whacks the throttle to the floor all right so he whacks the throttle to the floor and as he whacks it so what so let's back up now we went from cranking fuel all right, batch fire. We went to sequential injection. All right, we then loaded the loaded the engine with the con with the converter going into drive, and then as soon as it went into drive, he whacked it to the floor. So now, when you when he whacked it to the floor, it saw the transition on the throttle position sensor, and it went from what is called synchronous, because synchronous injection meaning that there is one fuel pulse for each inje I mean, one fuel pulse for each ignition pulse, regardless whether it's batch. So it's all the batch or sequential just means how many injectors are firing. So it's going to be a so synchronous injection is one is one fuel pulse one ignition pulse when the when the throttle is transitioning so it sees a delta all right in the tps a change in voltage in the tps which is a zero to five volt signal all right what will happen is that it's going to get it's going to have an algorithm that looks at the rate of change of the tps voltage so let's say arguably and i'm going to use that because a, a ford like that was around one volt on the tps at, at idle at closed throttle so we'll use that for easy arithmetic so now it's saw one volt so it went it's so and now he whacked it to the floor so now it's sort of very quick transition from one volt to almost five volts it's a five volt reference usually around 4.8 4. the rule the industry rule of thumb is wide open throttle is considered anything above 80 percent of what they would call v ref so usually anything above four volts so if it's a five volt signal 80 percent is four volts 
So now you whack it to the floor. So now it sees that and says, "Well, we can't go. We have to. We have to go from from a synchronous injection to asynchronous." And when you put the letter A in front of it, it means that it's non-synchronous. So if you have a symmetrical lift, right, a lift, lift, all right, that means that the lift arms are all even. If you have an asymmetrical lift, the lift arms are not even, they're different lengths, right? So the thing is that so asynchronous, so just like we say, uh, so, so asynchronous means that there is going to be that the injector pulses are not going to be keyed to the ignition events. So now when you go into asynchronous injection, that there is what they call asynchronous injection acceleration enrichment or asynchronous injection D-cell fuel shutoff. Well, as the TPS is going high from 1 to 5 volts, right, we're using that, all right? So that's acceleration enrichment. So what happens is that it has an algorithm that says, okay, based upon this rate of change on the throttle position sensor, while it's also looking at the load on the engine, in this particular instance, could have been a mass airflow car or or a speed density manifold vacuum sensor, manifold absolute vacuum, a map sensor. All right, so it looks at that, but but the main trigger is the sweep of the TPS. So now it's seeing the sweep of the TPS and says, wow, this guy really whacked this thing to the floor, a very high rate of change. And the algorithm that's in there says that this high rate of change, we have to give, and I'm making up a number, five fuel pulses for each ignition pulse instead of one fuel pulse for each ignition pulse. So you whack it to the floor. Now, conversely, if he lifts the throttle real quickly, it's going to see the voltage go down. It's going to see engine vacuum go high. If it's looking at manifold absolute pressure vacuum, if it's looking just at mass airflow, it's going to see mass airflow come down because the, th- the because the throttle closed, right? And it's going to go asynchronous shut off fuel. But he wasn't lifting the throttle, right? So basically, what happened is that as soon as... Th- so as soon as that system, that engine started, and he whacked it, it had it had to transition from cranking fuel to to sequential, a uh, sequential fuel injection to asynchronous sequential acceleration enrichment. So now he whacks it right, and he flashes the con- the torque converter. So the torque converter has to spin and grab whatever the stall speed is, and now it hits the tire, right? All that power hits the tire. The tire breaks loose, right, and starts to spin and smoke, all right? So fine. So now we're smoking the tire, so now, but the TPS is, the TPS is constant, wide open throttle. So now after that sweep, it's going to go back to to synchronous injection, all right because the tps isn't sweeping but it's going to look at the engine rpm and it's going to look at the load on the engine either map sensor or mass airflow or both depending upon the application and then it's going to decide in its it's going to mathematically look at and say okay based upon this rpm he doesn't the the ec doesn't know he's trying to get this beautiful girl away from a kidnappers based upon this rpm this load what have you we're going to put this much fuel i'm not even talking about ignition timing this much fuel in it this much injector opening time in milliseconds thousands of a second but when you when he has it so he's got it to the floor the tires are spinning the car is starting to move forward all right and the ecu is going to look at it instantaneously and 
I'll say a nanosecond. It's a little bit longer. It's than a nanosecond and a milliseconds. But it's going to look at it and it's going to and it's going to do the math and it's going to say, okay, fine. Based upon this, we need. I'm going to make up an arbitrary number. We need 10 milliseconds of injector opening time. But because the throttle is constant, all right, the throttle is constant. It's matted to the floor. It's going to be synchronous. It's not going to be asynchronous. All right. So now the tire is spinning. All right, so the cars and the crown victoria is moving forward <clears throat> the, excuse me the tire is spinning and now the tire starts to grab well when the tire starts to grab what's going to happen is the converter is going to start to load the torque converter and now it's going to start to pull the engine rpm down a little bit so what's going to happen is that the throttle is still matted the engine rpm is going to start to go down all right and the ecu is going to sense the idea that the engine is has more of a load on it based upon the throttle being wide open and the rpm degrading dropping from the load from the tire being loaded because the tire now hooked right it's in harmony as chris alston said it's in harmony with the ground right so the tire hooked so we're still going to be synchronous injection not asynchronous but it's going to add more fuel because now it's seeing that the engine is loaded versus before when the tire was tires were spinning that there was not any real load on it so because when you break the tire loose all right there's that the engine is making its power but it's not being loaded so now it has to add more fuel because the load is on it and then now what's going to happen is that it's going to look at that and it's going to look at the rpm and and the guy gets away from the bad guys and then they stop on the side of the road and the beautiful girl and they kiss right so that's always but the fact of the matter is is that i want you to think about that so when you're driving your car you're driving your pickup truck you're driving your wife's car i want you to think talk this and in engineering we quote that we 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 think talk you think it through what's going on all right and in the medical field they may call it a differential diagnosis they write it on a blackboard or a whiteboard but so when you get in your car if it's right now or whatever you're listening to this or the next day so you put the key in i want you to turn i want you to i want you to <coughs> think <coughs> excuse me and think talk it to yourself i'm just gonna get a drink of water here and we put the drag on. okay <clears throat> i want you to think talk it so you get in your car you put the key in all right you don't go right to to crank you go to run you wait for the fuel pump to prime then i want you to say to to yourself okay i'm cranking most likely you have a sequential engine if it's anything the past since obd2 all right since 1996 so i want you to go and say okay fine i went now into cranking fuel the system is going to look at the coolant sensor it's going to look at the air charge temperature temperature sensor and it's also going to look at the tps it's not supposed it's supposed not supposed to see high tps voltage if it saw high tps voltage it would go into clear flood mode and shut off the injectors that's why you're not supposed to touch the gas pedal when you are doing when you're starting an efi engine so now i want you to say to yourself okay i can only turn the key the fuel rail is primed <clears throat> there's fuel up to the injectors and now how are those injectors pulsing during crank they are going to be pulsing as a batch fire or a gang fire they're not going to be sequential so now you go crank 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 right room it starts right up you release the key 
what has to happen next the rpm has to reach a certain threshold i want you to say this in your mind that the rpm reach crossed over 450 we'll use that number 450 rpm so now what happened you have to say now the systems the system transitioned from batch fire to sequential fire timed with the valve events so now you're sitting and idling you go and you put the vehicle in drive let's say it's an automatic or you put the vehicle in drive all right so it's still sequential all right it's still sequential and you now you start to step on the gas and to drive away as you're stepping on the throttle what's happening is what are you doing is the injector pulses still they're still sequential but what they're going to be is asynchronous they're not going to there's going to be more injection pulses then ignition events they'll still be timed sequentially but instead of one shot for cylinder number one there may be three or four and that's going to depend on how quickly how hard you hit the throttle all right your rate of change delta and tps so now you get out out of your farm lane you get out onto the highway you're accelerating and now you get up to the speed limit 50 miles per hour <clears throat> the throttle the tps is constant all right and now so now you're 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 still sequential but now you go back to synchronous you go back to synchronous all right there's one pulse for each ignition pulse so now there's a stop stop sign up so you release the throttle right you release the throttle you're coasting up to the stop sign what did the injectors do they're still sequential but they go into asynchronous decel fuel shut off and they would actually shut off the fuel they would stop pulsing you would not know it all right this and 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 to a certain degradation in the air fuel ratio and rpm and then it'll turn it back on so now you come to the stop sign you well here comes a guy with a combine we got to wait for him to pass by hey joe how are you you bleep the horn and you wave them hope you have a good crop right all right so now you're sitting there idling it's back to it's back to it's sequential but it's back to synchronous now you step on the throttle all right you step on the throttle and you you were looking at joe so you hit a little bit harder right so you, you didn't intend to so the rate of change and the tps is is quicker so it's going to go it's still going to go sync it's going to be asynchronous all right uh, but it's going to have more of a pulse with because your rate of change and the tps is higher so i want you to think talk that when you get in your car explain it to yourself you could talk to yourself i talk to myself all the time because if you think talk that and you understand what it's doing that's just like planting a crop and saying well i have to have good seed to soil contact i have to have enough moisture in the soil to allow it to break the seed coat and to get to germinate the seed then the soil has to be not crusty so that once it's germinated that it can emerge and push through the soil right if the soil is crusty the seed is going to plant has to use a lot of energy to try to push through and it may not be able to push through if it's very hard and it's going to die on the ground so if you think talk that one so if you have a whatever you have that is fuel injected is the basically the same logic just like if i'm planting soybeans or i'm planting wheat or i'm planting corn regardless of tomatoes the same dynamics of the seed having to break the seed coat have enough moisture have seed to soil contact the transition and then 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 germinate and then emerge is the it is, is all common so if you think talk that then if you do have a problem with something you are able to diagnose it because you could say to yourself well geez this is what's happening when it's going from when it's transitioning from from 
from from synchronous to asynchronous, I'm having a bit of a problem or a hesitation, right? I probably have a dirty injector, or I have a lot of carbon deposits on the valve, or I have a lazy injector that's got old and lazy electrically, and the magnetics are building very, very slowly. So if you do this and explain it to yourself and explain it to to somebody else right they'll think you're nuts right you got to find somebody who's willing to listen to you you will be surprised how intimate that you will become with that and that will be the foundation of you diagnosing and get back to what gene and i experienced at the spring nationals many many years ago on a rainy day is that we chris alston was talking about becoming in harmony with the chassis and i'm asking you to become in harmony with the dynamics of how the fuel injection system on any engine fuels it because once you're in harmony with it then that's going to open up a lot of doors for you to diagnose a problem and even if you have no problems god willing it's nice to know what's going on and that is why people that are erratic with the throttle with a fuel injected engine get worse fuel economy with uh, get worse fuel economy and that's why also cruise control lots of times gets worse fuel economy because it's constantly evoking that asynchronous acceleration enrichment pulse because the cruise control is just looking for one thing to maintain the speed it doesn't care and, and a good driver will always get better fuel economy on the highway without cruise control because if you roll into that throttle very slowly in that algorithm if the rate of change is very slow it's not going to transition from from synchronous to asynchronous and you just, and you and you get much better fuel economy so hopefully you enjoyed it listening about this but please please let me know think talking when you get in the vehicle think talking when you start the engine whether it's fuel injected atv whatever it may be car irrigation motor it's the same dynamics and i wish you all a blessed day and thank you so much you know what the hot rod farmer is pulling for you the american farmer and rancher my beloved beloved america thanks for listening take care bye bye